0: Welcome to a special edition of Inside the Firm. This is the homeowner's edition. Today, we have three hosts. For the first time, we're starting a segment, not only with myself, Alex Gore, with Lance Cycle, but with Lindsey Fox. Lindsey, welcome. What is this episode about?
1: Uh, This is the homeowner edition of Inside the Firm, and I am so excited. I've been wanting to do this with you guys for years because I started listening uh, before I started my career path. I was listening to inside the firm. I'm like, wow, every homeowner needs to listen to this to kind of get an inside look on how to successfully manage their design to construction process. Um, So I'm really excited.
2: Cool. Cool. And I'm excited because I am, I heard that I was, I'm now a host. I've graduated from co-host. It's been years. It's been years.
0: And on this episode, The whole team is together. Lindsey, as you know, does some special Monday morning editions. Lance does a lot of those too, but now the whole team is together. And we're essentially gonna talk from the homeowner perspective, peel back that onion and kind of give them information and and knowledge about how they can create the best project.
2: Yeah. So one of the first topics I think um, that I was hoping that we could bring up would be uh, how do I select the right architect or designer for my project? Uh, for for whatever my project is going to be and that that sounds like probably a daunting task I think to a lot of homeowners because maybe they've never worked with an architect before Um, that's actually one of the questions I ask everybody at the the first sales meeting that I meet with them is like have you ever worked with an architect or a designer before and most people uh, that I find haven't some some of them have um, and that's an interesting conversation but um, what are some of the qualities, uh, that you should, I think if you're, if you're a homeowner, that's what you should be asking first is, well, what are some of the qualities that I value, um, most, um, in, in my potential professional? I, I know what I look for, for people when, when I go to look for, for subcontractors or other professionals that we're going to work with. Okay. Uh, so I think the big question to start off with is uh, how, how does a homeowner know, um, to what what would lead them to select the right architect or a designer for the project. And, and I think that comes down
0: to what they are looking to accomplish. And I don't think that the, a client necessarily knows what they need and what's going to help them out in a project. What is useful? What's not useful? How much information are they getting and what are they getting for that? So Lindsay, can you talk about maybe the, the difference between the architect designer and structural role.
1: Right. And I feel like that's an important thing to cover for homeowners is, uh, identifying what an architect is supposed to do because it is, there's wild swings on, uh, what you can expect. And I, I kind of joke around, I'm like service, the service industry is diverse as people because it's all people based. And so when you're out hunting for a good service provider uh, for architecture, I think it's important to identify whether you're looking for an artistic aspect or whether you really need to get into uh, some structural design. And what's kind of unique out there is being able to find the firms that can do both successfully.
0: Yeah. Um, So to piggyback on that, I I essentially think that a lot of, a lot of services for architecture services are maybe lacking in the construction, the management, um, producing drawings that actually help the client. Um, it, there's, there's sort of an old school and in, in a new school and it's sort of differentiated by what programs you use, right? I recently came across some architects drawings. Um, the design was all right, it just depended on the style if you like <clears> it or, or not. But, you know, it was hand-drawn or AutoCAD, which is basically 2D lines. Um, and there were some nice details and stuff like that. But the amount of information that wasn't there is what's leading people like my brother, who, who's a carpenter, to say that he hates architect. And I, I, I know that because I saw on one plan a circle with a hot tub. And it just said circle hot tub. And I thought, like, okay, for some reason in my head, I thought, I think this is like a sunken hot tub, but I don't know. Hmm. And, like... could miss that on the section like it, it just wasn't clear it was just circle with a hot tub and i know to some people it'll seem obvious like yeah just place a hot tub there i don't know if that's the intent like the the power of moving from a 2d to a 3d program is that that hot tub item is now a real item that will show up automatically in other views there's so many other benefits that when an architect takes the right approach that they're not Not just designing it, not literally just giving you a floor plan and elevations, because that's a lot of sets. Um, A lot of sets are just floor plans and elevations and and maybe one wall section. And that's okay for a builder's set. But if you're doing a, a, a custom home and you're not only trying to convey the design, but then also convey how to construct. I think you need to take it to another level.
2: Yeah. And I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll come at it from a different perspective and, and just help define the roles for everybody who's listening. Hopefully it's hopefully it's homeowners who are considering their first project. They've never worked with an architect, a, a designer slash interior designer, or a structural engineer and, and what those different roles can produce. So the first thing if you're thinking about doing a project on your house is what is the project, right? And so I'll just, there's a couple different examples that we can go over and what, what kind of professionals you might need to hire. Uh, (laughs) the quickest route for you to figure out what professional you need to hire out of those three is going to honestly come down to the local jurisdiction and where you'll be obtaining the building permit if you're going to get a building permit, right? So, uh, it's going to vary widely from Colorado all the way over to where to where you're at, Lindsay. Obviously, in 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 New York, we've done work up in North Dakota. The licensure and for what you what somebody can do as an unlicensed architect, aka an interior designer or a designer, is is vastly different depending on the jurisdiction. So it's going to be on you, the homeowner, to. Know the scope of your project, go into the building department, basically try to explain it to them. It doesn't have, you don't even have to have a sketch or anything. You can just kind of explain what you're looking to do. And you got to be honest. You got to just flat out say, this is exactly what I'm looking to do. What are you guys going to require as far as design professionals for, for me in order to do that? Right. So then to kind of tie it back to what an, what a licensed architect can do is they can do some basic structural engineering. A lot of them will not do it which it's just a specialty. They don't feel comfortable with it. They, they, they're, they're not prepared to do the structural calculations. Um, and then they can do basically any kind of building, right? If you're a licensed architect, you can do any kind of building, a commercial building, a residential building, a multifamily building, like sky is literally the limit skyscrapers, right? Uh, an interior designer and a, and a interior designer slash designer, which is an unlicensed architect, even though you can have an interior licensed degree, there's a certain level of commercial work you could do interior wise that you, you can, you could play the role of the architect in the sense of licensure. Um, And then residential wise, again, it depends on that jurisdiction. Uh, Ultimately what it was going to come down to is a structural engineer. And if there's structural stuff that needs to happen, you can absolutely hire an interior designer slash designer plus a structural engineer. You might save a little bit of money. I don't know. It depends on, you know, if, if we again where you're at regionally, if designers are a little bit more cost effective than architects, but that those are the roles you're going to navigate um, and try to decide upon, you know, which ones fit best for your project.
1: Yeah, and I feel like, you know, what you're saying in regards to going on a website looking at that portfolio is that uh, the architectural discipline really is de- design based and that their aesthetic is something that they are selling as part of their unique uh, service offerings and uh, their differentiators in the market. And I think there's often a misconception out there that uh, when you create documents that are ready for permit, that those documents actually mean that you're ready for construction. And what I've noticed in the industry is that the level of detail that can exist in a construction document set is very different than the type of detail you would want to successfully execute a project. And that's why I'm like, when we're, you know, talking about what does the design to construction phase look like and what the architect uh, you've hired is going to, uh, What services are going to be included in not just developing the construction documents but actually that transition into active construction.
0: Yeah and I think also too going into the client's perspective and and what they want and where they're coming from because a lot of the hard thing to communicate from an architect is, is what you bring to the table, right? because people are looking for different things. Just like you can look for a $12 coffee maker, a $50 coffee maker, or a $3,000 coffee maker, right? It's hard to convince someone looking for a $12 coffee maker that the 3,000 one is the one that they need because of all these gadgets, the water is better, they have an inboard filter, you know, a whole bunch of coffee talk. I think you're talking to a, a, a blank wall there, right? I. I But there's that $12 coffee maker to $50 coffee maker kind of architecture client. And I I think the the sell is you're making a half million dollar house, you know, let's just say. And the the more you spend, and there's a line, right? Because like you can go off track, but the more you invest in like figuring stuff out now, the more it's going to exponentially save you money the future. It's just those, those costs of, of hard costs are so much greater than figuring it off on, on, on the, you know, on the paper, right? Because there's just (coughs) nightmares, stories of uh, carpenters just kind of not looking at the plans, doing what they want. And it's because they're, you know, not drawn well, there's only four sheets to it. Like I, I grew up in, you know, rural Minnesota, And, and always had a, my parents had a cabin there since I was young and, and what they do compared to, you know, what's done in other States is is vastly different. So that's, that's the issue of trying to communicate is how much are we solving your problem and how much of a value is that
2: to you? Yeah. I think what, if we're trying to prepare homeowners to be best prepared to, uh, Find the right professional, then, then they need to know what kind of questions to ask. So if I was an owner, one of the, if I, one of the questions, some of the questions I would ask that I can't find online. Um, and so to speak the online stuff, I can find your, if I'm a homeowner looking to hire an architect, designer, structural engineer, I can find your online ratings. I can find your portfolio. I can find your notoriety. I can, find, I can see if you're punctual and if you show up to, this, to the meeting on time. Um, I, I know I, I get a feel for your communication skills. Uh, and and, and then, then it starts to transition into, okay, now what do I need to ask them next? How do, how do you work? What are your working methods? Can you explain to me how your design process works? Is it collaborative? And then one, one serious question I think that everybody should ask is, to speak to what Alex is talking about is, <clears throat> are you drawing, are you over, det- are, you going, are you going to over detail my drawings for me? Or are you going to be drawing them to code minimum? Like what is help me understand the level of detail in the drawing package that you're going to put together for me and what that means for my project from a design standpoint, from a constructability standpoint, from a code analysis standpoint. Put that architect, designer, structural engineer on the hot plate and and basically demand that they explain how how what their end end product is and that's, I think, what Alex was talking about with like the struggle. Sometimes I pulled out drawings during meetings um, and, and showed them physically like this is kind of this is what you can expect from that. Um, and so that's a, if, if I think if an architect or a designer, structural engineer or whatever is able to answer that um, confidently fairly quickly um, without stammering and stammering around, I think that's a good sign and you're heading in the right direction. If they really don't have a good explanation for that, that is that is a red flag. Yeah. I almost like the idea of having
0: example sets and maybe like a good example set and like a typical
2: example set. This is just off the cuff. Lindsay, what do you think? Is there any other questions that you think if you put yourself in a homeowner's position, they should be asking? Let's get to
1: brass tacks, right? So architectural fees that I've seen can range from $65 an hour up to 200 plus. And if you really want to get fancy, it's way more than that. Uh, So I'm I, in moving into the industry, understood that, you know, well, if you pay more, you should get more. Mm. But I think that there's a lack of knowledge in knowing what to ask for at those higher rates. Um, My firm, for example, moved away from billable hours and I just do a batch price based on square footage uh, because we've created such efficiencies in our process that I move too fast to be financially uh, stable if I was just charging an hourly rate. Mm. So when you start talking to uh, someone that you're hiring for this work, yes, looking at an example of their uh, permit set versus the active construction set and kind of understanding how much, uh, how, how reliable or how involved they are to get you from design to construction. And that's like potentially a different service fee. So here's a set of documents that you can take to the city and you can meet with a builder and you can start building versus, am I going to pay my architect to do construction administration, which is that's the translation of what has been drawn or modeled to getting me to ready And I think that's when you start navigating what what services you're actually offering Uh, and knowing you can pay more as long as you're getting different services that are unique.
0: Could you lay out, what are those services that you're talking about? What, what is the gap that you're filling?
1: Yeah. Well, for a permit set, you don't necessarily need to have a reflected ceiling plan where I am. You don't necessarily need like everyone's just going to assume that the ceiling is flat. However, you know, if you're talking to an owner and they have, you know, um, imagined their space and it has a very different ceiling feature, um, that's an important detail to have on your plans. And, you know, looking through, uh, your permit set and saying like, is there a reflected ceiling plan? Uh, does the builder need to see a reflected ceiling plan? Because my budget that I'm going to get from this builder is going to be very different if he has to do a complex ceiling versus a flat ceiling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's an example of a poor architect then. (laughs) 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 Honestly, you know, if you're having (laughs) vaulted ceilings or uh, you know, slope ceilings and and, and you're not showing that and, and that can be part of the problem of, Hey, I just need a set. Just give me a permit set. Just give me like, okay, but that's not giving you the information that you actually need. Yeah. So here's the information that you actually need and here's why it's valuable.
2: One point that you touched on, Lindsay, that I think is is really the meat of the whole thing that everybody's looking for. Obviously, um, our our designers such as ourselves like to show off our portfolio and look at us. We, We provide great service and everything, but it always comes down to, what is, what What are you guys going to cost me? Uh, and so, you know, there's a low, there's a medium, there's a high numbers are all over the board. What do you think a homeowner, obviously everybody has a budget. Even Elon Musk has a budget, right? Even though he blows it, but <laughs> how literally how, up <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly how, how should a homeowner like, what advice would you give a homeowner when they're looking for a, uh, An architect or a designer and they see this range of low medium high you know is it should they be diving into oh the high one i'm expecting a cadillac package the low one the low level medium a balance you know what how how do they how do you how do you think they should justify which one they pick based on the price
1: i would say the number one is a clear design process Hmm. And what tools that particular service provider is using or leveraging so that they can give you uh, a a unique process, but something that is a replicatable process. It's not like I wanna be a homeowner that goes to an architectural firm and pays one rate and gets the bargain basement system. And then, you know, if I go to that same architect, here's like the Cadillac version. from a design professional's perspective, it's my job to uh, build confidence and empower confidence into my client and confidence in the design process. And I think that's where you guys, you know, we've really melded is that the process needs to be clear.
0: I I think so too. And I think that's a great question a homeowner can ask. What is your design process? And then they probably won't ask, but it's, what we should take that interpret that as, as architects is not only the process, but what do they get for that process? Right. Along so like, yep, you, you have to translate it and you have to walk them through there's those traditional phases of schematic design, design development, construction documents. What are you delivering and how are you delivering them? Are they just plans? Are you using a program like Enscape where they can walk through it? Um, are you modeling like it gets built so that, you know, that it will be constructed the way that it's intended. Are you providing material takeoffs, you know, at the end? And I don't think they have to ask all of these. It's good for them to know, but that's what architects should also be explaining. Because then when it comes to that number, they can see, oh, there was all these steps. All these steps make sense and seem necessary for what I want. I want a custom home or a custom addition. And to get it right, it seems like this would be the correct process to do it that's why this fee costs this amount.
2: Yeah, and again, just like putting the designer on the hot seat if you're a homeowner and, and asking them um, to, to d- ask them again to, to be able to describe that. And if they can, you know, like what I talked about with the drawings, like tell me about the level of detail in your drawings. Are you, and why 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 will it be this way? Okay, tell me about your design process and why why is it this way? If they are prepared and ready to answer that and they have some visuals, uh, literally like in the proposals kind of that we put together um, where we're showing this is how the design process works. Um, this is, these are example projects and it really helps them understand that. That's gonna help you so, as a homeowner sort out um, and, and kind of put people in a yes pile and put people in a no pile pretty quickly. Uh, if, if they can quickly describe that process. If they can't describe their own process, how hard is it going to be for you? How hard is it going to be for them to help you easily navigate through your design that you're doing?
1: Agreed. And it is, um, it is one of those things that I have run across with homeowners is that they will typically, in selecting an architect or service provider, they will just, they'll ask for referrals. And as i'll put my owner hat on uh -hmm. as an owner i've done that myself and the unique thing is that there's this, this there's this reality called confirmation bias which is the decisions that i make have to be right because if i was wrong there's too much risk and so to go out there and ask your friends like oh did you have a good design process with your architect the majority of the people will say yes uh, regardless of whether or not they had one or not, mostly because they don't know whether, how to vet a good process versus a bad process. So um, I've, I've heard a lot of uh, advice out there, like ask your friends. I'm like, please don't ask your friends.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I agree with that. I, I have a question for you, Lindsay. And so this is, I'm going to put my owner hat on and I'm talking to you for the first time, uh, maybe for that referral. Hey, Lindsay, uh, I'm looking to hire an architect um, while, while I'm interviewing them, um, tell, have, help me, equip me with a question that I could ask them in the sense of like, what should I expect from your design process? What should the feeling be like? Should it be fun? Should it be scientific? Uh, should it be none of the above?
1: Uh, Well, my overarching vibe is I have to feel confident that what's going to be on piece of paper is going to get manifested in my home. So the level of detail that exists in the set that I've been paying for has a direct impact on my construction process. So speaking to a design professional, knowing what tools are in their toolbox to give me the most confidence moving into active construction. Uh, I also take uh, a little bit of liberty and say, do you care if I go to construction? Because there's a lot of architects that have uh, what, like the, the cold cases, you know, how many, how many plans did you get paid for as a professional that actually got built or how many are just sitting in your filing cabinet? Those are, I think, important distinguishers in the market, because I didn't move into this industry so that I could get pieces of paper for my clients. I, I wanted, some, I needed a buildable outcome. So that's, those are like step one for me. What's your toolbox? Yeah, I you think care if great. it gets built?
2: That is such an interesting question. Do you care if it gets built? I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. And that is is exactly what a homeowner should be asking people. The other questions I think of a homeowner that you should be asking your potential design professional is, is this going to be a fun process for me? That is a legitimate question. Because one of the things I I pitch to people is that I say, we want this to be a fun process for you. It's our goal to have fun while we're working with you um, and be productive at the same time, because you might only do this once in your life. And you, you, that's the truth of it. You might only be in a financial position once in your life to be able to do that custom addition, that custom house. It, it, is, a, it is a blessing, you know, at the same time. So, uh, and then the other one I think a homeowner should ask is, <clears throat> is, your, does it, is this going to be an easy process for me to navigate through with you? And, and how are you going to make that easy for me? And that probably leads into our the next episode that we're going to be talking about with design software and then what that means for people and kind of unpacking that.
0: Cool. So you want to take a break and we'll, uh, we'll jump in. There'll be another edition of inside the firm homeowners. Yeah. Edition. And maybe
2: Lindsay could tease that a little bit. What is the next one? If people are following along to this episode and they're homeowners and they're like, okay, great. I'm loaded with all these awesome questions. I get to ask people now, put them on the hot seat. I know what I should be looking for in the different, different and how to navigate that. But the next stuff, the next things I need to ask them are what are the, you know, what is the software that they're using and why does it, why did, why should it matter to me?
1: What's in the toolbox. You need to know what's in their design toolbox. And then I will harking back to what you said, uh, the process needs to be enjoyable and the vernacular, when you start searching online for how to successfully navigate, it's all survival tips. And how chaotic and miserable it is. And, (laughs) you know, I'm like, can we just change the vernacular around this design to construction process and be as satisfied with the process as we are with the outcome?
0: Awesome. Well, join us next episode
2: as we peel back the onion even further. What is up inside the firm listeners? I hope you enjoyed that very special episode uh, by the whole crew over at Inside the Firm, including Lindsay Pritchard Fox. Uh, it was a great episode. And um, without further ado, one of the things we need to go over is 2021. It is well underway, and trade shows are still weighing physical exhibitions. So it's time to start planning how you are going to get your continuing education credits this year. ARCAT can help. Along with manufactured products, specifications, CAD, and BIM, ARCAT also provides a list of over 150 manufacturers with accredited courses. It's just another free resource Arcat provides to make your life a little easier. So start earning those credits at arc-cat.com forward slash C-E-S. That's arcat.com forward slash CES. That's A R C A T dot com forward slash C E S. Check those guys out. They help us. If it wasn't for Arcat, we would not be here uh, producing these, this kind of content for everybody, homeowners included, obviously, as this episode was geared towards homeowners. So please go check them out. Uh, another way you can support this podcast is if you go over to revitrocketship.com. That's revitrocketship.com. There's a free pom- promo there. You can enroll in the course. You will get you get taught by uh, Alex Gore of Inside the Firm. Um, he's there to help you out. We get calls all the time from firms looking to how do, they, how do you transfer from AutoCAD over to or even hand drafting over to Revit. It is a difficult process for a lot of people. Um, quite honestly, the books that are written by Autodesk are, or, or, or its subsidiaries or even in just independent people are, I don't, we don't think it's the best. Um, we think we've provided the best resource for you guys, for everybody listening to help transition over to that. And so you can just go to RevitRocketship.com. Check that out. You will help you all day long. Okay. You will, you will transition. You will jump on that rocket ship and you'll fly to the moon with your, with your Revit, uh, skills You'll make yourself a more productive person, more productive professional, and hopefully your whole firm can can follow that lead and you guys expand and and go out there and crush it. Um, One other way to support this firm is to go to architectsguide2.com. That's architectsguide2.com. Check out our brand new course, Architect to Builder. Uh, We understand that building can be extremely complicated, but our course, the Architect to Builder course, Helps reduce your frustration, provides a clear roadmap with helpful resources to take you from pencil to profit. So, check it out over at Architects Guide To. That's architectsguide.com. Check that out today. We think you'll love it. We think you'll love it. And last, but certainly uh, not least, uh, if, thanks for listening for today's episode. We we appreciate all the listeners out there. We are nearing some some big numbers. We keep increasing every month. Um, we love this community that we that we've uh, you guys have helped us build. If without you guys we wouldn't be here at all. So really appreciate your support. And if you didn't already know. Inside the Firm is now has a YouTube channel. Obviously, if you're watching YouTube, you're seeing me right now and you've already seen the other episode. <clears throat> so you can actually watch that episode if, you, if that's who you prefer. I prefer watching YouTube episodes. I love YouTube, YouTube episodes. So subscribe now. And if you, if you subscribe, you'll have a chance to win a piece of Inside the Firm merch. That's sort of a whole year-long thing that we are trying to promote here since we launched the channel uh, a couple months ago. Or if you prefer podcast style, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five star review for us if you enjoyed the episode. That's how more people will find the podcast. How we can help spread more value. Keep building with this with this architect community uh, that is that is so precious and valuable um, to everything everything that we're trying to trying to accomplish here. Uh, but no matter which category you fall into, whether it's YouTube or or listening terrestrially on a Podover Podcast app that you're using, if you're looking for the latest updates on inside the firm and special content. Follow us on LinkedIn or Facebook at Inside the Firm or Instagram at ITF Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another great episode.